the, the remarkable thing about corporate explorers, by the way, Sana, is that yeah. you know many of them haven't read these books. Right? They they haven't gone through an innovation program or or been on an accelerator or you know any of these kinds of methods that a lot of us spend our time with. Yeah. Um, they learn and they improvise, but there are some threads. Yeah. And, and part of it, this ideation is focused on what's the customer problem. What will you do to unlock innovation? In today's fast-paced world, innovation might not be enough. Tomorrow's pioneers of change will need to be agile, able to adapt, and committed like never before. Your host, Santa Vending, invites you to listen in and join business leaders from around the world as they share their visions for success in our future business challenges. Welcome to Mind Innovation. I'm your host, Sana Vinding. I'm always excited to learn. And in today's podcast, we're going to talk about corporate innovators, which is leaders who build innovative business inside existing corporations. I want to welcome Andy Benz. He's a co-founder of ChangeLogic. He has 25 years of consulting experience, both as an external and internal consultant for McKinsey, IBM, and now ChangeLogic. Andy, welcome to, to the podcast today. Hi, Sana. I really appreciate you having me on your show. Thank you. Awesome. So let's jump in, right? The first question, because we always need to start with one question. You know, what, what is a corporate explorer? Yeah, a corporate explorer is somebody who builds a new business, a new revenue stream inside an existing corporation, or, or I should say from inside an existing corporation. The revenue stream, of course, is built outside with customers. Um, <laughs> and, and so this is often disruptive, Maybe uh, it serves a new customer group, maybe a new business model, maybe it involves developing a new capability. Um, and so th that, that's what makes it closest to an entrepreneur, but with key differences. And most yeah. importantly, of course, it's, it's using the assets and resources of an existing company. Okay. So um, when we talk about innovation, and I've seen that, right, just the name of the podcast, right? People are like, oh, that's a product. And so it's not a product. Innovation could be anything. Right. Um, so some people think that ideation, right, in the beginning when you do, you know, whole product development and research, and that, that ideation is, is innovation. How, how do you define innovation? Yeah, I define innovation as an idea that is used, right, that, that actually is applied and therefore can generate a revenue stream or have a social impact or whatever you want it to have, but it's got to be applied. Yeah. And, and I think there is a, uh, an obsession sometimes with ideas, maybe even an addiction with <laughs> ideas, right? Because it's yeah. fun. We want yeah. to create ideas. I sat down this is a bunch of years ago with a good friend who I've worked with a number of years who got to be CEO uh, of this corporation. She's a fantastic woman who I adore. And I realized that she and I had just had a completely different concept of innovation. Yeah. She said to me, yes, I'm very excited. We're going to drive innovation in this company. And we're going to do it with an ideas competition. And everybody's going to get an opportunity to pitch their ideas. And we're going to fund some of them. Yeah. And, uh, and that is the way a lot of firms do this, right? Uh, the trouble with that is that you haven't necessarily made it so that those people are going to develop ideas that are close to things you want to fund, you know, where you think there's opportunity. Yeah. They also, um, uh, we, we don't know anything about how they might combine together into better ideas. And of course, um, they, they, they tend to be focused in those sorts of um, uh, activities 
uh, on what's most obvious, rather than really stretching into solving tougher uh, problems that that um, that require a lot of depth of insight and, and and study. So, so I think if we if we think about innovation, we need to think about ideation, yes, but yeah. incubation, testing, and scaling, yeah. making it happen. Yeah. yeah. So what what's the framework right with it, ideation and incubation um, that's in the beginning? What what does that framework framework look like? Do you have an example? Yeah. So um, the the so in the book we tell a number of stories. So um, the 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 remarkable thing about corporate explorers, by the way, Sana, is that yeah. you know many of them haven't read these books. Right? They they haven't gone through an innovation program or or been on an accelerator or you know any of these kinds of methods that a lot of us spend our time with. Yeah. Um, they learn and they improvise, but there are some threads. Yeah. And, and part of it, this ideation is focused on what's the customer problem. You know. So let me give you an example. Um, in the book, we talk about Balaji Bondili at Deloitte, you know, big professional services company. And uh, Balaji uh, has been a consultant for many years and is kind of weary, right, of living in a hotel room and being a road warrior, serving clients and so on. He's like, surely there's another way. And he thinks back to yeah. his involvement in the tsunami uh, relief effort from you know, 10 or 15 years ago uh, in Asia. And that was crowdsourced. He was part of a crowd contributing expertise to solve a big humanitarian crisis. He said, well, well, can't we do that in consulting as well? And he develops this concept for, um, for, develop, uh, for accessing um, difficult to uh, acquire, difficult to hire expertise into Deloitte, uh, mainly in digital and all this kind of stuff, um, via a crowd. Right. Um, and, and that's just a concept. That's just an idea. Solves a problem for customers because it gives them access to um, resources that they otherwise couldn't get uh, easily. Um, yeah. But it also solves a problem for, for his company because it's really difficult to hire those people into a Deloitte because it's kind of not the, the way they want to live their lives. Yeah. But then all he's done is developed a concept. He hasn't tested it. He hasn't taken it through sort of the iterations and experimentation. And I think that this incubation thing is really about experimentation, rapid yeah. learning. And I think um, you know, people like Steve Blank have done a marvelous job of kind of changing our way of thinking about uh, innovation to make that, that experimentation piece core. But on its own, it's, it's, it still hasn't you know, landed as a revenue stream, hasn't landed as impact. So that's why scaling comes in as well. Yeah. So in the incubation, you know, you learn, right? In the iterations and you have failures and then maybe you pivot a little bit or you, because of your learnings as well. What about if you zoom out and just generally and saying, you know, the, the ability to learn as a corporate innovator, how, how important is it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty fundamental piece. And um, I think that it uh, differentiates, you know, the best from the rest, right? Is that capacity to um, to to not get too attached to uh, your solution, right? Which yeah. is a tough thing because I'm going to say uh, also that these people are passionately committed um, to their business and to their innovation. Entrepreneurs are, corporate explorers are just the same. Yeah. So there's a little bit of a, a paradox and a tension there because yeah. you want them to be really driven by this customer problem, really driven 
uh, to solving it, but not so much that they get locked in early you know. to one way of solving it. And because if they do, everything they learn in this test and learn approach is going to confirm what they already think. I asked a client yeah. the other day. So of the uh, hypotheses you're testing in these experiments, how many of them, if they turn out to be right, would be very uncomfortable for you? Yeah. And he was, I haven't thought of that, right? Because, yeah. and this is the difficulty with applying the thinking of experimentation is for the most part, um, you know, it's, it's easier to develop hypotheses that confirm what we already think. Yeah. Because that's going to be the shortest path um, and, and so on. So it's, it's, very, it's a very challenging discipline. Uh, and and it's, at its anchor is this capacity for learning, sort of a, a little bit of mental agility uh, required to, 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 to make it through. Yeah. What about the constraints in, in the, you know, to un, unlearn to learn? Right, because sometimes if, if you have that solution and you're like, yeah, I shouldn't look at it, right? I need to 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 look bigger. But sometimes, and I'm an engineer, so it uh -huh. could be that, right? That I'm like sometimes, you know, uh -huh. the the unlearning is so important, so I can open my mind. What what have you seen on your side? Engineers, yes, I, <laughs> I spend a lot of time with engineers, engineers, <laughs> actuaries, consultants, anybody who's got a a deep technical skill. Yeah. Right? tends to be the people who come up with the most magnificent innovations in the world. So thank you very much, Sana, for that. Okay. And tend to get locked in very yeah. easily for their way of doing things rather than being into this more evidence-driven approach, yeah. which when you think about it is curious because science is based on lots of rapid testing, trying to yeah. prove what's, you know, what's not the case before you get to what is. Yeah. So th there's a bit of a you know, disconnect there. So I think you're right, this, this sort of um, uh, need to unlearn. And um, some of it, I think, can come from how you um, uh, kind of construct your experiments, how you build a team uh, around you, uh, the sort of the diversity uh, of the team um, that get involved um, uh, can be very important so that there are multiple perspectives to challenge. Um, and, and, but most critical is that uh, intense commitment to customer discovery. You know, um, so that you're really forcing yourself beyond what you think is reasonable to listen and learn how customers define the problem yeah. uh, and react to a solution. Because that's the only thing that really and it gets you to change uh, you know, and unlearn is yeah. uncomfortable repeat, repeat, repeat. Oh, boy, they keep every customer I find keeps telling me I'm wrong. That can't. <laughs> at some point, you've got to learn. Right. Yeah. And listen. No. <laughs> That's important. Um, so in, in bigger organizations, and you've been in some of these, right, huge organizations, um, that, that's a, a culture. Um, and sometimes you, you hear as well saying, oh, you know, culture will kill innovation. Um, is that still happening? Or what's, what's going on with the company culture it's, right now? It's still happening, and it will happen forever, right? Because okay. there's, there's part of this which is eternal. You know, it's, it's, it's the, the pressures of maturing organizations going up the S-curve and yeah. as you go up an S-curve, you optimize, you get more and more perfected to deliver your current model. And, and that's this difference between core and explore, or some say explore and exploit. So I always say that a core is a more generous term for exploits, right? So it's yeah. a difference between core and explore. And you've got to manage these two differently. My, my colleagues and co-authors, Mike and Charles, have for you know, 20, 30 years been writing about this notion of the ambidextrous organization. How do you do 
two things at once. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, you know, I, I look at a corporate explorer um, and I see not only somebody who is driving a new uh, business, a new business model, a new capability, but also incubating a culture. So yeah. if you look at um, Yoki Matsuoka at Panasonic, right, big, big Japanese electronics firm, and here is Yoki, a former uh, entrepreneur, but now a corporate explorer inside uh, a large corporation. And Yoki not only represents uh, new opportunities for Panasonic, new service business models, but also a new culture, a new way of doing product development that she's kind of teaching um, the firm. The same with um, some of the other examples in, 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 in Corporate Explorer. Yeah. Um, what about the, you know, when you need to pivot or you need to lead like a change when you're coming from the outside and in? How, what, what kind of challenges or what kind of resistance? Yeah. Uh, because I, what I've seen and, and experienced as well, there's always resistance. People don't yeah. want, want to change and it's, yeah. it's natural yeah. um, and it takes time. Yeah. Um, it does. And, yeah. and it's, you know, there's, I think the resistance is definitely, um, you know, something that any corporate explorer has got to kind of assume is going to be part of what they will face. And, yeah. you know, in the, in the book, we talk about the silent killers of exploration. Yeah. That they're, that they're not sitting out there waiting for you being avert at first they're going to say yeah well done Santa what a fantastic innovation you've come up with and boy I love all those customer discovery data points you've got only later when they discover how much your innovation challenges what they do every day yeah do they not openly oppose but just fail to help yeah or um they they're not really going to support and so there's there's a um, uh, the, the biggest silent killer is this one about um, professional competence. Right? Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, I'm not sure if we tell this in Corporate Explorer or whether it's in Mike and Charles's other book, Lead and Disrupt. Um, but the, the, there's a great example of Havas, the uh, advertising agency, who go into um, um, uh, also crowdsourced um, uh, creatives, taking a creative... Um, you know, pitch and giving it to the crowd rather than to the well-trained, employed, creative team inside the agency. Yeah. Uh, and and Michael um, did a case study on on Havas, and he went around um, on the day that their new strategy for digital uh, innovation via crowds was being launched, and and he put the microphone under the noses of some of the people in the leadership team, and and the head of the creative team said well, you can do this, but of course, it's nowhere near as good as the real thing. And um, another one says, well, I suppose you could try it, but it's like a hundred monkeys. Once in a while, they're going to write Hamlet, you know. So <laughs> it, <laughs> there's a few lessons from this. One of them is the silent killers are there even when they're excited at launching. And yeah. you've got to talk about it. Second one is never get yourself caught on film by a Harvard Business School professor. <laughs> That's never a good idea. That's the... <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll make a note on that one. Um, I want to go back to something you said in, in, in the beginning, right? That you said, and I, we all, I think we've all seen it, right? They're like, oh, innovation. Here's the little innovation box, right? Drop in your note, right? Woohoo. And then <laughs> the management team is like, tick, right? <laughs> we have initiated it. Um, but, but how, you know, with ambitions and companies, right? They, they want to scale. Yeah. 
Um, and you can, you can look at the small innovations project or initiatives and you can look at the huge innovation projects. How do you, how do you go ahead and, 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 and get the right, it, maybe it's foundation, foundation, right? Or how do you scale so you know it, you have to listen to both of them, if, of course, if it's not everything in that little box, right? But how do you, how do you get into the, to the huge innovation projects? Yeah, good. So, so Sarah, I think that's, that is the right question for us to be on. If you're in corporate innovation, <laughs> it's got to matter, yeah. really, hasn't it? And, and I, I'm not, I, I, I just want briefly to clarify, I'm not against ideas or I'm not against idea schemes or you know, the idea software uh, platforms that exist. You know, I think they can make a tremendous contribution. Yeah. But, but, but let's think about how you're going to get to scale. And, yeah. and the way um, that... Um, you know, uh, we, we think about this and we, what we describe in the book is what's your strategic ambition? What is it that this business is all about? What's it going to become? Yeah. And if I'm a CEO, I'm leading a business, I need to have an ambition for where it's going. And so many of these vision and mission statements could be applied to any company anywhere to yeah. be the best. Yeah. I had one client who was um, <laughs> to go to the future, you know, like, what, what, what does this mean? You know, um, let me give you the, the alternative is Ajay Banger at MasterCard, uh, like 2010, 2011. Win, uh, sorry, wage a war on cash, right? Ah. A digital payment yeah. solution company. And yeah. he adds to this, I want to convert a high percentage of the 85% of transactions that are manual cash today. Yeah. Yeah. And, he, and he, what he's done there is he's set this emotive, um, uh, ambition, but he's also said um, uh, what he wants to do numerically, and he's also sort of given some logic around. Okay, so we need to find ways yeah. of converting cash transactions, yeah. and that spurred an immense uh, amount yeah, of. That's emotional, right? When you hear that statement, you're like, "What?" Yeah, it, yeah. it it touches you because it touches how you behave every day. That's it. That's it. Yeah. But then the next level of this is we need to translate that into. Um, what we say is hunting zones. Where are you going to realize that ambition? Right? So yeah. a good example of this is Jensen Huang at NVIDIA. And Jensen had this bold ambition as well, but he said, we're going to realize our ambition to solve the toughest problems in the world um, within specific domains. Yeah. Autonomous driving, um, uh, uh, deep computing for scientific discovery, um, cryptocurrencies, and so on. And I want ideas in these different domains. Now, he's still looking for input, he's still inviting people's involvement, but he's given an ambition and he's bounded all of that creativity. And so it's more likely that the ideas he's gonna get are ones that are gonna get investment. Yeah. Because there's, he's selected them knowing that there's some trend, some vector uh, that he's gonna ride in order to grow the firm. And of course, in the case of NVIDIA, anybody who knows it, you know, between when I did the research with him and now his share price increased by like three and a half thousand percent, you know, and, yeah. and, you know, I didn't buy any of it incidentally in the, in the, uh, when I first spoke to him, which was really foolish, but that's another story. And, <laughs> and, and it, and it's, uh, it's a, it's a tremendous story of innovation driven, not with a detailed strategy, but with clarity of ambition and sort of where they're going to play to win. Uh, and I think that's that's what it takes to do this big scale stuff. Big scale, you know. And and th there's a little bit more, which is this: um, in 
innovators, I think, because we get so excited by the ideas and we get very excited by porting in methods from, from startups and so on, we miss that what's the, what, what is it that corporates have that others don't? You know, we, we, we have the subtitle to our book, right? How corporations beat startups at the innovation game. So yeah. Potentially a little bit, you know, overblown, you know, but, <laughs> but, but, but be, be, beats them occasionally really wouldn't, wouldn't sell as well. And, and the point is that they do beat them. And yeah. when they beat them, they use their assets, right? Um, they take an idea, they build assets that they've got, or they go acquire them. Right? Yeah. And there's a great story of LexisNexis Risk Solutions that did this, creating a, really a category of risk analytics um, yeah. in 2000, 2010. Part of, the, part of it was their own capability in public records data. Part of it was buying some linking software from this little software company in Florida. Yeah. Another was a big acquisition of ChoicePoint with a whole rich data set uh, in insurance and elsewhere. And together of that came this engine of innovation and growth, which is now you know, larger than the original company, right? Yeah. 20 years, two and a half billion dollars of revenue. That is innovation at scale. Scale, yeah, that is huge. Um, I, I want to talk about a little bit about uh, skill set. Um, mm. So do, do you need to be a good storyteller to be a good <laughs> corporate explorer? You know, I think that there is some truth to that. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I think as with an entrepreneur, um, you know, getting funded is often uh, associated with your ability to engage people with your idea and yeah. make them feel that um, they have confidence in it and they can see it. They can, and often if it's driven by the customer problem you're solving. I mean, um, Amazon has this process uh, of the, the PR FAQ, right? the press release and the frequently asked questions. Yeah. And each idea is evaluated with just one page press release customer quotes saying why this innovation has impact to them, right? That's a bit of storytelling. Yeah. But I think what I like about that is it forces people to get their minds in the right place. And that's what these corporate explorers do really well, uh, is they can bring their senior stakeholders, their investors, into why this is going to be so impactful. Um, and they've got to be a little bit brave as well, Sarah, um, yeah. because it's no use, I think, going to a corporation to say, we're going to build a business which is just a little tiny business. It may feel safer to you to propose that, but what moves the needle is bigger ambitions. And so you've got to think about how do I frame an ambition that is at the scale of the opportunity? Yeah. Right. Uh, and or, or threat, right? Because we're all familiar with the threat of disruption. And is this an ambition which is at the scale of the opportunity or the threat uh, that is posed by disruption. That's really yeah. a key thing. That's the key thing. So we mentioned, or you mentioned the, the book, right? That did the, 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 um, the corporate, uh, yeah. Um, so what did you learn when you, when you wrote this book? Because I'm uh, sure there was some aha moments when you did oh, it. Oh boy, there were so many. I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, firstly, I think individually I learned that it's way harder to write a book than I realized. Yeah. You know, I'm, 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 um, I will be slightly boastful for a moment, excuse me, um, in, that, in that I can write a thousand words very quickly. That's no problem. Yeah, yeah. I'll write an article. Easy. But writing a book is really different um, <laughs> and, and much harder. Um, so so that, was, that was my just the organizational challenge of it. Yeah. The thing that I learned as I, as I wrote it was that um, what I most had to say was that the, the, the secret for the corporate explorer 
is that capacity to build support around them to 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 get an idea yeah true and and that um when if we look for the entrepreneur as the template for success that's going to mislead us in some very important ways they yeah. tend to be far more attention seeking they tend to be far more interested in independence of action and the corporate explorers are really good at letting other people take the credit let them say they made you successful that's fine as yeah. long as i win i don't mind the secondly um that they are you know, they have a social capital in the organization they have relationships to build on yeah and so um uh, uh, that means that they're probably insiders right and so i knew these things going into writing the book but as i wrote the book as i read the different cases that we had i'm like wow this actually is really critical and i'm not sure we talk enough about it because it's in a way it's what differentiates the successful corporate explorer from that fabulous in innovator entrepreneur who are also worth celebrating and, and make an immense contribution. So yeah. I'm not criticizing entrepreneurs, it's just different contexts. Yeah, no, 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 there's room for everyone here. What about, so I wanna go a little bit back to the skill set. We talked about, you know, to being a good storyteller. So if you're looking ahead and saying five to 10 years, what should a corporate innovator, what kind of skill sets should they have within the next couple of years and what should they start learning? Yeah, good. Um, I, I do think um, uh, I, I would say, you know, three things. I, I think, I think um, build your social capital, um, um, build relationships, get people who really want to be a part of your success down the road. Yeah. Um, secondly, I think um, focus on these innovation disciplines, ideation, incubation and scaling. And for sure, part of that is this experimentation piece. Um, but actually, I'm going to say, focus on ecosystem understanding even more yeah right? how do you map ecosystems how do you understand the uh, ways in which different players affect the adoption of an of an innovation yeah and we get very stuck on product market fit yeah and actually adoption in a wider ecosystem is far more important customers can be really enthusiastic and still something customers don't control can affect them so um, uh, in the book, I tell this story, which I, I, I got from, from a Tuck professor, um, uh, of, of Pfizer and inhalable insulin, you know, incredibly exciting for patients, great customer adoption, but stopped in its tracks because the doctors you had to prescribe it don't have the equipment to do breath tests to uh, tell you yeah. whether you could have the, the drug or not. Yeah. Or that, that form. So the adoption chain is so important. So it's so an ecosystem. Uh, it's critical, uh, and then I think uh, the third area would be this um, this this capacity to um, to tell a story. Yes, but but actually, I'm going to focus more on this uh, ability to be driven by evidence. Right? If yeah. I'm a corporate manager, too often I get judged by my certainty, right? By my confidence, by my ability to say I know the answer to this, Santa. Let me tell you how I'm going <laughs> to increase our sales by X percent, right? But the most valuable thing as a, a corporate explorer is to say, I don't know, right? Yeah. I don't know, and uh, let me go find out. Let me run an experiment to learn. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Balaji um, Bondili has this um, phrase that he, uh, that he uses as, what needs to be true, right? It's, it's just what needs to be true in order for these assumptions I've got about the market to be true. And let's go test that. Yeah. And, and, and that kind of 
thinking, I think, is 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 counter the culture of many organizations. So, you know, social network, ecosystems, and then um, this capacity for evidence-led uh, experimentation. It's the way to go. Yeah. Um, you have a lot of experience, and I can hear that. And you wrote more than one book, right? So, um, if you're looking back and you have to say, "What can I tell Andy?" Like you know, 20 years ago, what would you tell uh, yourself? Well, could, well, certainly, you know, it doesn't get easier to lose weight. I mean, I think that, <laughs> that, that is clearly important. Um, um, uh, I think that uh, what would I? Uh, I think you know, um, uh, I. I wish that um, uh, we we had, um, uh, uh, you know, me and my colleagues had talked more loudly about the ambidextrous organization um, 20 years ago. Um, yeah. Because, um, uh, it, um, and maybe it was just the, it's in the zeitgeist now, right? It's coming to, to maturity. Uh, and because it's quite amusing to me how many people have jumped on this as actually a, Uh, an academic who was a, uh, um, a opponent, uh, an antagonist with, I don't know what, what, what you'd say, but somebody who didn't agree with us on this, who was yeah. a former colleague of one of my uh, my uh, colleagues, my co-authors. And now she's jumped on board and is claiming it as her own, has written an article about it. <laughs> you know, we're like, well, that's very interesting. So everybody wants to be talking about explore, exploit, core, explore, ambidextrous organization today. And uh, and I and I wish I'd, I'd uh, understood that because um, you know it is such a powerful way of thinking, and it also it's it, another colleague uh, Wendy Smith is about to uh, publish a book about both and thinking. Yeah, right? you know, our capacity to hold two mutually opposing or at least um, you know, thoughts in the mind, ones that are intention in the mind simultaneously. And I don't think that's the whole story. It's not just about how you think, but but it is something important there. How do we always live in a way of both and? That's yeah. ambidextrous organization. And I think me as a professional, as a human, if I'd been more focused on both and thinking my whole life, uh, I would be that the more uh, more, more uh, fulfilled, uh, perhaps in some ways. Awesome. So, um, if any of you know Mind Innovation listener wants to connect to you, how can they how can they connect? Uh, so uh, thecorporateexplorer.com is uh, uh, our website. Um, you can go to changelogic.com to learn more about uh, our work. And then uh, Andrew J.M. Bins uh, is, is my, uh, my name on, uh, on LinkedIn. Find me there, connect me there, follow with me. Uh, very happy to continue the conversation with anybody uh, uh, who's listening to the podcast and indeed with you. So. Awesome. And I'll make sure to put the in the show notes and also on the episode on mindinnovation.com so um, everybody can can easily find it. So, and thank you so much. Uh, this was an amazing chat today. Um, I, I like the the bigger picture as well and the whole ecosystem. Um, and, and you know, be ready to, to unlearn as well to, to, be, to learn, right? That's my engineering learning here. <laughs> <laughs> So thank you. Thank you for the conversations. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Mind Innovation Podcast. New episodes are dropping bi-weekly, so make sure you're following wherever you get your podcast. You can find me on LinkedIn, search for Santa Vending. You can also find me on YouTube, search for Mind Innovation, or go to my website, sanavending.com or mindinnovation.com. Stay curious, keep learning. <laughs>